Not one. Amen. I'm thankful for my friend Jesus. Amen. And I'm thankful that he would call me friend. Amen. I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. And I truly believe that anything is possible anytime that God is involved. Amen. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Doesn't matter where we're at. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that tonight or you just say it because it's scripture? Amen. We have been praying through the tabernacle and tonight we are going to continue in that vein and finish up tonight. Amen. I, I am so thankful to have this opportunity to speak to you. I want to say what an incredible job Brother Starks and Pastor have done thus far. Amen. If I had half the brains of those guys, I think I'd be all right. Amen. But I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Exodus chapter 25. Begin reading at verse 1. Amen. told Brother Clyde at the end of this service, I'd like us to just spend some time enjoying the presence of the Lord. I don't ever want us to get in here and rush and, you know, and, and I'm going to be mindful of the time tonight and I'm going to give us the opportunity to do that at the end of service tonight. Amen. But I want to, I want it to mean something when we come. Amen. I don't want us to ever just come and punch our ticket that says we were here. You're not getting anything free next week with a coupon, so just just be here anyways and just receive whatever the Lord might have for you tonight. Amen. You don't have to come back Sunday to get something. He's here tonight. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly. With his heart ye shall take my offering. Skipping down to verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary. How come? Why would God Almighty want a sanctuary? Why would he want there to be a place such as this? Would it be to show off his power? Would it be to show off all of the beautiful gold and all of these things, while yes, they are all beautiful and we stand in all of those things. But he said that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. Amen. You can be seated tonight. When you entered the gate, you were first there by that brazen altar, that altar of sacrifice. This, as you have heard, was the largest of all of the furniture there at the tabernacle. In fact, every other piece, as you may have heard already, could fit inside this altar of sacrifice. It has been said for many years that we want big arcs, but we want small altars, but God said that he wanted it big enough so that all of these other things could be placed upon it, and also it's got to be big enough for all of us to climb on it as well. It is a place of death and bloodshed, and sin had to be covered by blood 
before man could fellowship with a holy God. Sacrifice had to be made and blood had to be shed to be a covering. Even before the tabernacle, God said that that was the case. For when Adam and Eve had sinned and they had done their very best to cover themselves, God said, no, it's, it's not enough. For now there's got to be the shedding of blood. And now we're going to have to cover you with the skins of animals. And, and there's got to be bloodshed for the sin that has been committed. But this had to happen before man could fellowship with the holy God. Then we come to the brazen laver, which was a ceremonial washing of the priests. And it was required before entering the tabernacle. From there they would enter into the holy place where the golden candlestick would be. And this provided light for those that were performing duties in the holy place. They would put oil in lamps that were to be burned continually. There they would have the table of showbread that had twelve loaves of unleavened bread sprinkled with frankincense. That were renewed each Sabbath and eaten by the priest. Became a continual thank offering to God. Then you had the altar of incense that was the place where you would put the perfumed fragrance of incense. And you would offer it up to God twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. And you would offer there your praises unto God and let it be a sweet fragrance to Him. But God, these were not mere hoops that you wanted us to jump through. These were not just things that you wanted us to go through the motions and just take each step and check, check, check. But there was a pattern. There was a purpose. There was a reason for everything that they did that was all part of a much bigger plan. It was a method. It was a blueprint For what he not only wanted them to do in that time, but how he wants us to go about our lives even today. This brings us to the veil. And not only to the veil, but most importantly, what is beyond the veil. And yes, hear me tonight, there is more beyond the veil. Some of us, we go through the motions and we come to church and we do all the rituals and we experience All of these things, and sometimes we think that that's all that God has to offer. Well, God, I I offered my praise, and I offered my worship, and I I went and did this, and I went and did that, and I made my sacrifice, and I washed, and I'm cleansed, and and that's that's it, right? I can can go, and I can leave, and, and go about my business. But there's more beyond the veil that is available to us today. There is more to be experienced with God than just stopping there at a veil. For scripture says, they shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it. And put them in the four corners thereof, and two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in on the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that they may be born with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken from it. 
And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof. And a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work. Shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherubim on the one end. And the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the cherubim shall stretch forth their wings on high. Covering the mercy seat with their wings. And their faces shall look one to another towards the mercy seat. Their faces of the cherubims be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. Now that's a whole lot of details and that's just part of it. You've gone through each piece thus far on every Wednesday night we've been doing this. And, and you're thinking, my, what, what detail... What detail, what intricate work that God wanted in each part of this tabernacle. And you're thinking, that, that's a whole lot of stuff. And you know what? If you get really, 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 really into it, you can determine what each piece was meant for and its purpose and its symbolism. And each thing was not just put there at random. Anytime God is involved in the mix, it is not just to make you do something. It is not just to keep you busy. There was a purpose for each and every part of this. All of this was the details of this Ark of the Covenant that he wanted to be there. And you would think, well, that, that's great and that's wonderful. But we've got to read the very next verse. It says, and there I will meet with thee. And I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony. Of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. So as you see the purpose of this ark was not just to be another piece of furniture as was none of the other. But he said at this place, this is a place that I want to meet with you. I want to commune with you there. I want this to be a place that I can talk to you and I can spend time with you there. The veil that was mentioned, there were four posts that held that veil. The veil represents the body and flesh. And we are so thankful tonight for the torn veil. And we're so thankful tonight that God made a way for him to access his spirit in a brand new way. That we didn't have to wait once a year. That we didn't have to wait for it to be just like they did. But that day that he tore the veil. That he gave us access to him. The veil hung between the holy place. And the holy of holies. It was the final separation between man and God. And this veil allowed access once a year. 364 days, nothing, nobody. But that one day, a high priest was able to go in and sprinkle blood on that mercy seat for the sins of all people. Now, could you imagine here tonight with me that you are that one that is responsible while yes, you literally have blood on your hands from the sacrifices that you've made on behalf of everybody else. 
But if you only had one opportunity a year to come into the house of God and to enjoy His presence and to commune with Him and to spend that moment with Him there, what would your worship look like truly? What praise would you really offer to God that day when you knew this is my day? I don't get to come back for another 364 days. I'm going to make this day count. And now we have that opportunity morning, noon, at night, every day, every hour. Amen. We ought to be more thankful and have more praise in our heart than anybody else. Amen. I don't ever want to take the presence of God for granted. This is where the high priest only could enter in. I'm so thankful tonight that you and I can enjoy the presence of God and we can commune with God any time that we so desire. That His presence is not limited to one place. That pastor isn't the only one that gets to talk to Him. That we're not looking around for somebody that says, I can't go to church, but could you go tell God all this for me? I, I can't talk to God. I can't pray. Would you pray? And, you know, there's people that think that we're the only people that can talk to God sometimes. But the reality is anybody can talk to God. When he tore the veil, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Greek, Gentile. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. You can talk to God. On the Day of Atonement, that high priest would change his garment and he would enter through the veil. Now the next time we feel like complaining, this is free tonight, you can take this one home, no charge. And we say stuff like, well why do I have to dress like this? Why can't I just wear what I want? Why can't I just, you know, this, this whole get up, is, it's not for me. I don't want to dress like the people of God. I don't want to live this way. But you read through these chapters in Exodus and see the clothing that they had specifically for worship. Specifically for entering that tabernacle. And not only that, but entering into the Holy of Holies. They had to put on a whole separate garment. When you have been redeemed by God and you've been delivered from bondage and you've been brought to a place where now there's a place for God to come and dwell and be with you and talk to you. It's not that you have to, it's that you get to. It is an honor to put on these clothings. I, I, I can't imagine them saying, oh man, I don't want to dress like that. I don't. And the ones that are wearing it are saying, you don't understand. You don't know where God brought me from. I get to go into the presence of God. I get to put on a new garment. I get to put on something that's going to change the way that I look. I get to live this way. No one makes me wear anything. It is an honor that I get to put on these fine linens. It is an honor that I get to wear this stuff that is so pure and holy and that I can go and present myself to a holy God. It is an honor to be chosen to be set apart by God and to be one of the few that gets to do this. It is such a high honor. Once through the veil, he would see the ark where on top you would see that mercy seat. And watching over this mercy seat were two cherubims whose faces were gazed upon that mercy seat and their wings reach out and cover it. The Bible says in Psalms 99, 1, the Lord reigneth and he sitteth between the cherubims. 
It was where the physical evidence of the God of Israel lingered in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Again, just like everything else, this ark was given specific design. You see, God is not the author of confusion. He was not just telling them all of these things just to waste their time. The specific design is a sure way to know when it's God. When He's giving you detailed instructions, this is how I want you to do it. This is what I want you to do. If you would listen to the voice of God and you would allow Him to speak to you, He'll get real specific with you. He's done it to some of you. I want you to go to this person. I want you to give them this amount of money. You don't have to ask any questions. I want you to do this. I want you to tell them this. I want you to bless them with this. And you will be amazed if you would obey God. All of those, even though they may not make sense in a moment, if you would obey them, you'll understand at the end of it all how much of God that truly was. Because God is not the author of confusion. He's a God of order. He's a God that's going to give you step-by-step Instruction. The specific design is a sure way to know when it's God. Well, what about when He only gives me step one and not the rest? Has that ever happened? God said, "Okay, I want you to go do this," and you're saying, well, "What else?" Before I before I do that, I need to know what's the rest. But could it be that there's a God that is watching over us that is wise enough to understand that right now the only thing I need to do is step one? The only thing I need to do is take that first step. And maybe when I get to that place, I'll have a different vantage point from where I was at over there. And I will understand why I'm not going any further. You see, my kids, my little boys, they like to play with Legos. And some of them are simple. They're easy. They're, you know, three little pieces and they're done. But some of them have a whole lot of steps and a whole lot of pages and a whole lot of instructions. And you know what? If you will open the book and open the box, you will take out some of those Lego bags. And if you will look on the Lego bag, it's got number one. And the other bag has number two. And the other bag has number three. Now, I could just start ripping all those bags and dumping them and watch them try to figure all of that out. But the point is to give them bag number one first because as you're reading along and following these instructions, it's going to tell you what to do with bag number one first. It's going to tell you when you're ready to go to bag number two and then you can open that bag and start going from that. But if, if I just let my boys tear open all the stuff and have at it, there would be chaos for quite some time. And could it be the same with God that when we're trying to go through all of these things and do, well, God, why why can't I just go do this? Why can't I be a part of that? God's saying, hold on, there's a purpose. There's a reason we're doing it like this. There's a reason I want you to sacrifice yourself first. There's a reason I want you to repent first. There's a reason I want you to stop there and then here. If you would just listen to me and do what I've asked you to do, it's all going to make perfect sense. Brother James, Dr. Hughes is here tonight. He preached a message many years ago that forever changed my life. And his title was, We Have an Altar. And he talks about this this tabernacle that we've been discussing. And he said it's, it's amazing that when they rebuild the tabernacle that they've now added doors on the side and on the back. So now you can enter into the tabernacle without ever having to make a sacrifice. 
Isn't that our world today? Isn't that so convenient that we, we want to skip step one and step two? We don't want to die. We don't want to have to go through all the baptism and cleansing. We just, we just want to enjoy the presence of God. We just want to skip and get to the end result without having to do any of those things. But God is saying there is a specific design in all of this if you will just watch me work. This mercy seat, the golden plate of propitiation, on which the high priest would sprinkle the seat seven times on the Day of Atonement, symbolically reconciling Jehovah and His chosen people. That priest that started off way back at the altar of sacrifice, and he had blood shed there, now is walking through this tabernacle, and he has brought with him fire, and he has brought with him blood. And that would preach all on itself. That every detail, every place that he would go from then on, he was touching it and wiping blood on the horns and wiping blood here and wiping blood. He carried the blood with him everywhere that he went. He carried the fire with him from out there and brought it into the holy place. He took the fire and the blood with him everywhere that he went inside that tabernacle. What would happen if we had such an encounter with God at the early stages and something happened that so transformed our life that said, I've got to take this with me. When I leave this place, the fire and the blood is going with me. Not just for me, I'm going to touch everything. I'm, I'm going to spread fire and I'm going to spread blood everywhere that I go. I want everybody to know about the transforming power of God. When this was completed, the glory of the Lord would come down and dwell between the cherubims and receive that sacrifice and would meet there with the high priest just as he said he would do. Inside this ark were three more items that we cannot forget about. It was the pot of manna, that word of God. We've got to declare the word. We've got to declare that provision and that substance, thanking God for every time He's provided for us. We're once that served as a reminder of the provision of God in a day where there was nothing. In a day where they had no food. And they wondered, where is it going to come from? That God called manna down from heaven and fed and took care and provided for his children. But now in John 6, he says, They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. But my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. No longer do we have to just keep this reminder of what used to be and we're thankful for the provision. But now he's saying, I am the bread of life. You can take from me every day and I can be part of that substance for your life. Then we have the tablet of stone and we pray that law and we say, God, I will put no other God before you. I will honor my father and mother. I will not 
murder. I will not commit adultery. And we pray the law and we thank God for that governing hand. Thank you not only for the provision, God, but thank you for that law that kept me. Thank you for the law that guided me and at times it rubbed me the wrong way and stepped on my toes and prodded me a little bit to keep me in line. I'm thankful for the law tonight. I'm thankful that he went beyond that and said, I'm going to write my law on the tablets of their heart. I'm going to put some stuff in them that's going to guide them and direct them so that they don't fall, so that they don't fail, so that they don't mess up. And, and, and there's a lot of people out there, they want nothing to do with that life. They just want to go along the way, but then when they're in the pit, they want to know how they got there. I'm thankful that there's been a God that has told me, hey, I don't want you going to that place. I don't want you doing this. I don't want you living that way. Come on, I know, I know it hurts a little bit, but one day you're going to thank me. That law that mom and dad used to pass down that I didn't like and I didn't understand. And they said, you know, one of these days you're going to thank me. I don't know why my parents talk like old country western guys, but... They said, one of these days, you're going to understand. Wait till you have kids. And one of these days, you're going to understand why I did all of these things. And you know what? They were right. Because now I've got three little kids, and I'm saying the same stuff that they used to say. And I'm like, ah, that's what they were talking about. You see, God was the same way. All this stuff in the law that, that people were looking at and the moment they did away with the law, then they were looking, oh, now I get why we couldn't do that. I see the ramifications of discarding law. Now I see where that leads me. Then we come to Aaron's rod that budded. It represents the authority. It represents the name of Jesus and it speaks of the miraculous. And we speak with authority and we speak using the name of Jesus and the significance of Aaron's rod is found in Numbers 16 and 17. It says, certain jealous men had called Aaron's priesthood into question. They said, well, why, who decided Aaron gets to be the big shot? Who decides that he gets to be the one with authority? Who put him in charge is essentially what was being said. And so to put an end to the unrest, God once again was going to use Aaron's rod for a miracle. And God commanded Moses to have the leader of each tribe of Israel bring his rod or staff to the tent. And they were going to etch their names in it. The Bible said each twelve leaders was to have his name inscribed on his rod. And the Lord told Moses, buds will sprout on the staff belonging to the man I choose. Then I will finally put an end to the people's murmurings and complainings against you. They left their rods before the Lord, and in the morning, Aaron's staff, representing the tribe of Levi, had sprouted, budded, blossomed, and produced ripe almonds. Aaron's rod didn't just sprout buds. It brought forth flowers and fruit, a clear demonstration of the power of the one who gives life. Verse 10 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Place Aaron's staff 
permanently before the Ark of the Covenant. To serve as a warning to rebels. This should put an end to their complaints against me and prevent any further deaths. Aaron's rod budded. It brought forth new life. And it is symbolic of resurrection and newness of life. That even when there was no root system, even when there was no water, it had been cut off and it was a stick that he was carrying around. Even then, God said, let everyone lay down their authority. Let everyone lay down that rod and I'm going to show them whose authority really matters. I'm going to show them who really has the final say. And again, that is something that God said, I want that to be put in the forefront so that we all remember who's really in charge. God said, let everyone do it. Then we come to the holy of holies. This room, this 15 by 15 by 15 is what it's all about. Because God loves the sacrifice. He loves the cleansing and He loves your praise. But above all, He loves you. And He said that the very beginning of all of this, He wanted a place that He could dwell with you. He wanted to have a place that He could come and meet with you and dwell with you and commune with you. It wasn't to show off all of his power and his might. It wasn't all of the intricate details that we would ooh and ah over. And they're wonderful. And we all applaud them. And and, and you read and you study and you find out how amazing they truly are. At the end of it all, God said, I want to be with you. I want to commune with you. I want to have a place that we can dwell Together, I want a place where you can be freed from your sin, that you can escape your sins from yesterday. And I know right now we're just rolling them ahead. But if you will just wait and linger here with me, and you'll give me an opportunity to be your God, then there's going to come a day where all of that's going to change, and you can access me day or night, anytime, any place that you want. Brother Clytee, if you would come. He said, and there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. There was a purpose to all of it, and that was his presence. Nothing has changed for me today. If we enter a building, and we go through all of the motions, and we stop by the altar of sacrifice, and we go to that laver, but we never truly enter the presence of God. What have we done? If I come and I greet, I pay my tithes and I shake hands and I offer up a little bit of praise, but I never truly get to that place that's deeper, that's beyond the veil, that's that place that He made available to me through His death, Where I can enter in and truly commune with God and enjoy His presence. If we entered His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise, but we stopped there, what have we really done? If we didn't change, if we didn't die, if we didn't cleanse ourselves, if we made it to the holy place but missed out on the holy of holies, then we've missed it all. A tabernacle without the ark would have just been badger skin tent. The ark 
was everything to them. Because it was the very presence of God. It was that tangible presence. It was the very presence of God. It was their assurance. It was their hope. Their security. As long as we have the ark, everything is going to be okay. That is why when the ark was captured, the very news of its absence caused such a shock to the high priest Eli that he fell off of his chair and died. His daughter-in-law, who was giving birth, died in childbirth as she heard the news. She gave birth to Ichabod, whose name means, where is the glory? The ark was everything to them. The presence of God was everything to them. The Spirit of God was everything to them. A.W. Tozer said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. We write off a night where we don't sense His presence as a rough night. Well, nothing was happening tonight. We tried to corral them. The praise team sang so beautifully and nobody moved and nobody got excited and nobody really broke through and got to that deeper place. I just didn't feel anything tonight, Brother Landon. But to them, if the presence wasn't there... It grieved them to the point of death. I'm so thankful tonight to know that now His presence is not confined to a place called the Holy of Holies. But His presence is wherever I call His name. His presence is is there. He's that omnipresent God, that omnipotent God, that when I wake up in the morning, I can call on His name. And He's as close as the very mention of His name. And that I don't have to just be here in this place. While it's wonderful to have a place here, He said that He wanted me to become the temple. He wanted my body to be a place that He could come and dwell and commune with me. I'm thankful tonight that I can enjoy the presence of God Wherever I go, whatever time I so desire, if I'm driving down the road, I can turn the music on and begin to worship. Or I can turn it off and begin to pray. And He's right there. And the whole purpose is still the same. To commune with me. To allow me to be in His presence. But I'm thankful tonight to know it's not just working here, but it's working In California, it's working in Florida, it's working in Africa, it's working in Guam, it's working in Italy, it's working all across the world. Why? Because God desired to bring all of humanity into His presence. His ultimate purpose was to start with the end in mind. God started at the ark and put the rest of the tabernacle in place. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In his first plan, it was to be slain. And his plan for the tabernacle was to let something be slain. Then no wonder the step to my new life experience with him begins at an altar where I too must put my life down 
to be slain. That high priest who was already wearing priestly garments would disrobe himself and put on new garments. Specifically for the purpose of entering the presence of God. He wanted to present himself in a pure way before the Lord. Just as he was required to change before entering. May I too rid myself of anything in my life that doesn't belong in the presence of God. And say, God I want to worship you but before I do... God, I'm putting on a different garment. I'm going to put on the garment of praise. I'm going to put on something that you will be pleased with. God, I'm going to present myself in a manner that is holy and acceptable unto you. Again, for one day a year, he would be given this opportunity. Until the day, Matthew 27 says, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. From the top... To the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. No longer is the blood of rams and bullocks required, for now the lamb was slain. So now we are empowered as we pray to boldly step from the altar of incense, past the veil, torn once and for all, and we can now boldly approach his throne. We can stand all over this house tonight. It's here in this place He comes to us, the veil torn so that we might have access to His presence. Our presence in His presence gives kingdom power and authority into our hands through the prayer we pray in the holiest of holy places. The pattern that Brother Mangan said is not to rush through and finish all of these as if they were just mere tasks to be completed. But rather it is to linger as long as we need to. And to take our time passing through the veil. To find ourselves in the presence of God. He said let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy. And find grace. To help in time of need. God, I pray tonight that we would never, never again be guilty of rushing, trying to get through this life, Lord, like it's some obstacle course, that if we could get to the finish line, it's all done. But God, that as we are entering in, God, through that veil and into that place where your presence would dwell, God, wherein the, the cherubim would look upon that mercy seat, God, I know what it meant to them then, but Lord, I'm thankful tonight, God, that you made a way for us, God, to also enter into your presence. God, don't ever let me rush, oh God, trying to get through, trying to get out of service, trying to get out of a prayer meeting, wondering when we're going to dismiss, when we're going to get to go on. But God... That I would take as long as I need to. God, that I would be as that one, no doubt. When he would enter in. Knowing it was his opportunity to commune with you. God, I wonder tonight if we were only given one day. How long would we linger? How long would we stay? God, I pray tonight, Lord that we would take
take advantage of every opportunity we have to be in your presence. God, that every time these doors are open, that I would be one of the first ones here and the last ones to leave. God, that I would want to dwell in your presence. God, that I would want to be here, oh God. That I would want to just be with you and commune with you. To feel your glory. To see your glory, oh God. And while I'm here, that I would thank you for the provision. That I would thank you for all that you've done for me. That I would thank you for every time you made a way when there was no way. When you gave me what I needed to make it. God, it wasn't just manna. But today you are the bread of life. Today you give me that daily bread, that provision that I need today. God, I thank you for the law that kept me. I thank you for your word that has guided me, that's allowed me to be here in your presence. God, for without it, I would be a lost cause. Without it, oh God, where would I be? God, there have been times, Lord, I discarded it and I didn't cherish it like I should have. Oh, but to the one in your presence today, God, we can cling to it and say thank you. Thank you for correcting me, oh God. Thank you for making a way so that I could be here in your presence. Oh God, and I thank you for the miracle working power. I thank you for authority in the name of Jesus. I thank you, oh God, for that one that makes a way and speaks of your power and speaks of resurrecting life that when once was no hope, that was just simply a rod that you said, oh no, there's more life there. You may not see it, but all I've got to do is speak and it will bud again. I speak that in this place tonight. God, over these people, God, let there be new life be brought forth. God, on things they thought was dead, on prayers they prayed that thought would never be answered. But God, when we wake up in the morning, let us go out to see that new life has been brought forth. God, tonight, Lord, we want to commune with you, Jesus. We don't care what night it is. We don't care what else is on our agenda for the rest of the week. But God, right here and right now, we want to be close to you, Jesus. Yes. Lord, you desire to dwell here. You want to commune with us, oh God. Oh God, and if you wanted all of that, oh God, and I simply come in and go through the motions and I leave. Oh, if I just peek behind the veil and see your presence, but then turn and walk away. What have I missed, oh Lord? Whatever it takes tonight, God, I want to go deeper. I want to go beyond the veil. I want to go into the Holy of Holies. 
I want to enter in, God, where I can see your glory, where I can feel your presence, where I can hear your voice speaking to me. Oh, as you spoke to Moses, God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would help me, God, to not rush. God, to not put you on a time limit. God, but to just sit here and bask in your presence. Oh, better is one day in your courts. Oh, when I've had to be other places all week. God, this Wednesday night is my opportunity to escape all of those things and just be in your presence, oh God. Come on, would you just entertain His presence right now? Oh, would you let this song be your prayer tonight, God, just to be close to you. I long to be near to you, Lord, to hear your voice. To feel your very heartbeat, oh God. Oh, we've made it, God, through that place of repentance. God, we've been washed, Lord. God, we've kept the fire burning on that candlestick. God, we've we've serviced it. We've put the oil there. We've kept the fire. God, we've went to that table of showbread. We've prayed for those that lead us. We've prayed, God, for those that are before us. The priest, oh God, that would consume it, Lord. God, that you would sustain them. Oh God, we've went to that altar of incense where we offered a praise unto you. God, where we sat there and interceded. God, and prayed to you, Lord. And now, oh God, we press beyond the veil into your presence, God, where you want to speak to us, where you want to dwell with your people. Come on in your own way right now, love him. Let him know how much his presence really means to you. That if you were kept from his house again, oh, you would die. Because his presence is everything to you. Oh, God, don't let us leave this place the same, God. Let us appreciate your glory again. Let us appreciate your presence again. God, the hour in which we live. God, everything that is against us would desire to keep us from this place. But God, because you tore the veil, it matters not where I'm at. Oh, I can access your presence anytime. Oh, Oh, 
It's your presence. It's heaven to me, Lord. Oh, I love your presence, Jesus. I love your nearness, oh God. Oh, we are so blessed that we have this opportunity, God. Don't ever let me take it for granted. Oh, God, when others died because that tabernacle was taken away. Oh, God, you made a way, God, for me to come boldly every day. From the very beginning, God, you've desired relationship. You've desired me, God, to commune with me. <laughs> right here in your presence. presence right now we feel you in this place right now come on lift your hands all over this house sing it to him tonight oh sitting at your feet Oh, in your presence, in your presence, in your presence, no other place I'd rather be. Oh, come on, one more time, sing it unto him. In your presence, oh, yes, God, in your presence, oh, Yes, I find everything that I need. Oh, at your feet, in your presence, in your presence. No other place I'd rather be. Father, we love you tonight. God, we're so thankful. It was your desire. It was you that first loved us, oh God. That wanted to make a way for us to come to you. God, when there was a void, there was a chasm so great. God, but you made a way. God, you came and gave yourself a ransom. God, you died upon the cross, Lord. And when you did and that veil was torn, God, you made a way for us to come to you. God, just as that altar of sacrifice was there, you made a way for us to die. God, and as the labor, Lord, washed, God, you allowed us to be washed in the name of Jesus in baptism. And God, in your presence, in that newness of life, 
God, you allowed us to experience a new birth. God, you allowed us to change. God, from who we were to who you had called us to be that was a new creation. God, tonight we are humbled. God, that of all of the people, God, that we have this opportunity. God, as do others, Lord, but they perhaps take it for granted or do not understand they have such a privilege tonight. God, I pray that we would be a light to our world, that we would point them to you, that they too would find a way to come into your presence. God, I'm thankful that you desire, not only then, but even now, to dwell with us and to commune with us. God, don't ever let us take your presence for granted. We feel you so near tonight, God. I pray that you would go with us, Lord. Be with us when we wake in the morning. God, and let the first thing that we say be, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for dwelling here. For making a way for me. Thank you, Jesus. We love you tonight, God, and we give you all the glory and honor that you deserve. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Praise God. Thank you for your faithfulness to the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. 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 How many of you are thankful for the presence of God? Amen. 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 Love somebody tonight. Let them know how thankful you are that they're here. Amen. To those that miss, love them. Reach out to them. Let them know they were missed tonight. Amen. Have a wonderful evening. God bless you.